Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, what's up, Ocean Hills? Great to be with you. Loving this space that uh, we are able to use to uh, be with you this morning. And uh, let me lead us in prayer. What a, what a great way to just, let me just pray for us right now. Kind Father, right here, right now in real time, we welcome your blessing. We wanna be blessed by you. We wanna receive all that you have for us. We don't wanna settle. We don't want to live a life of frustration, but we want to live a life of flourishing and freedom by following you wholeheartedly. And so right in this moment, I pray for every heart that's tuned in. God, I pray for a good soil heart, a softening and a soft heart, that the Spirit of God and the Word, the word of God, that, that together they would do something really supernatural and significant in this moment. So. Speak to us now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, I, um, good afternoon, good evening, uh, where, whenever you're tuning in. We're in a brand new series, it's called Detox. It's a 40-day experiment in spiritual cleansing. What is detox? Detox is a process. Detox is a period of time where we eliminate from our bodies the, the poisonous toxins, the unhealthy stuff that gets uh, into us. And so we're taking that metaphor and we're entering into and we're engaging into a season, this season of Lent, which is the season of turning toward God. And we're going to embrace some kingdom assignments and engage in the scriptures and allow the Lord to cleanse us. Obviously, theologically, when Jesus died on the cross, he cleansed us from our sin by his blood. But as we live our lives, we need to continue to be cleansed, right? There's an ongoing, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. There's an ongoing cleansing that happens through confession, an ongoing uh, cleansing that happens through acts of obedience. And so what we're going to do now in this Lenten season is we're going to enter into this season of cleansing, cooperating, participating with God. I've just noticed in, in our world that people make changes in their lives most often when they face a crisis, right? It's when you have a heart attack. It's when you get a DUI. It's when uh, you go bankrupt. It's, it's, it's when you hit rock bottom, you step on a scale and you go, oh my gosh, I gained 50 pounds or whatever that is, right? Uh, you're going through a divorce. Usually it takes a crisis to make the significant changes and to experience transformation. And you can tell how serious a person is about transformation and change by their level of desperation, right? 
Desperation often precedes transformation. Isn't that true? The more desperate I am for change, the more likely I am to commit and make the choices that will lead to the transformation of my heart, of my life, my marriage, my business, my relationships, my financial situation. Desperation often precedes transformation. I tell you right now, I've been saying for the last six months, I want to clean up my garage. I've been saying that for six months. If you went into my garage right now, you'd say it still needs to be cleaned up. Why? I'm not that desperate. It's just like it's, it's not bad enough that I'm making choices to go in there and deal with it. I'm like, someday, someday I'm going to clean my garage. Someday I'll, someday I'll get in there and do what needs to be done. Some of us today are listening to this message and we're embracing that mindset, that attitude, which is someday, someday. And transformation, life change, your life will never change. You'll never move into a season of flourishing if you have a, 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 a someday mentality. And so my question to you as we begin this new series is how desperate, how desperate, how desperate are you to get out of debt? How desperate are you to have a marriage that's life-giving and thriving? How desperate are you to get over that addiction? How desperate are you to get reconciled with estranged family members, to get healed, to find freedom, right? And so I'm going to take us into a story that's in the Old Testament. And uh, right now, I know that there's some of you tuning in going, I'm not an Old Testament person. Somebody told me this week, oh, Old Testament. Why do, why do we even read the Old Testament? Well, I'm speaking to you right now because turn to your, in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. It's in the Old Testament. There is so much rich, uh, just spiritual truth in this passage. And uh, if you have your Bible, 2 Kings 5, and it's the story of Naaman, the story of Naaman, kind of an unusual character. We don't hear about him very often. But Naaman was the commander, a general of the armies. This is a guy who had power, significant power. This is a guy who called the shots. This is a guy who had significant Influence. He's a guy who was respected by others. Others looked up to him. Others took orders from him. This is a guy who inspired people. He led people. He was respected by people. And in a way, we might look at him and go, that's a guy on the outside that's got it all together. You look at his Instagram, you go, wow, I, I kind of want to be like him. But if you read the story, the passage describes Naaman as this leader, this commander, this general. And then it says, but he has leprosy. He has leprosy. He has this disease that would cause physical pain and emotional distance. Because if you read about leprosy in the Old Testament, you realize this skin disease, it was super contagious. And people did not want to get close to because they would be defiled and they would be considered unclean and they could catch it. And so just, I mean, in, in this day, in this world, it would be like nobody is wearing masks and nobody is physically distancing except you. That was kind of Naaman's life. He had to like 
call out if he was unclean. Anybody with leprosy, that's what they had to do. They had to physically distance all the time. So imagine that life. You're this commander. You have on this outside, you have all this responsibility, but on the inside, there's a loneliness. There's a sickness that you have. There's a, a kind of brokenness that you live with, right? And so on the outside, looking good, but on the inside, dealing with hurt, loneliness, pain. That was his reality. That's as we read this story and you read between the lines and then here's what happens. In verses three through eight, um, there's a series of events where now Naaman has an open door. And when you have power, there are doors that get open and, and, and he has an open door to go meet the prophet, the man of God, the healer, Elisha and get healed. And so he goes down, and as you read the story, he goes down, and what happens? He gets to Elisha's house, he knocks on the door, and it, the, the text says that he waits. Well, people in power don't like waiting, and I'm imagining him getting frustrated and going, really? I show up with chariots, I show up with horses, I got this impressive life, I show up to get my healing, and what happens? I gotta wait? I don't wanna wait. Well, eventually after waiting, it says that Elisha's assistant, not Elisha, the prophet, but he sends his assistant to greet him at the door. And so he greets, uh, the assistant greets Naaman, and here's what happens. The assistant says, go into the Jordan River, dip in it seven times, and you'll be healed. Go into the Jordan River, now, just imagine the thought bubble right there of Naaman. I'm just imagining him going, are you kidding me? Elisha can't come and greet me at the door. Are you kidding me? You're telling me to go, go get cleansed in the dirty Jordan River? There are other Damascus rivers that are much cleaner. Are you kidding me? I have to dip seven times. Why, why can't you just wave your hand? Here's the response in verses 11 and 12. He's feeling insulted. Listen to this. It says, Naaman lost his temper. He spun around and he said, I thought Elisha personally would come out and meet me, call on the name of God, wave his hand over the disease and get rid of the disease. The Damascus rivers are cleaner by far than any of the rivers in Israel. Why not bathe in them? I'd at least get clean. And it says he stomped off mad as a hornet. What is happening here? There are some life lessons here for us about real transformation. How can real transformation happen? I'm gonna just pull out three life lessons from Naaman and this story. Number one, life transformation begins by humbling ourselves and laying down our need for control. Humbling ourselves, choosing humility. Humility is a choice. And that's what Naaman has to do. The choice is will he humble himself enough to let go of I gotta be in control, I gotta call the shots, I need to make the rules for my healing, for my breakthrough, for getting uh, this leprosy cleansed off of me. Is he willing to enter into the process that God is calling him to for real life change and healing and transformation to happen? And he has these expectations. Well, I thought Elisha would personally come out and meet me. I can just hear him kind of whining, right? Uh, he thought he thought he would just wave his hand. He just wanted to instantly be healed. I wonder how many of us were like, I don't want to do the work. 
I, I just want God to touch me or heal me. I don't want to do the work. But what we learn here is real transformation begins by laying down control, humbling ourselves and entering into the process, see? And I think that's what happens here. Naaman wants to make the rules. He wants Elisha, not the assistant. He wants clean water, not the dirty Jordan River water. He wants a hand wave of healing, not I have to work and participate in it. And so the question for me that I have for Naaman is, hey, Naaman, how desperate are you? How desperate are you? You still want to be in control. How desperate are you? You're unwilling to humble yourself. How desperate are you? And my question to all of us tuning in today is, how desperate are you? How desperate are you for real lasting transformation and life change? How desperate are you? Humility is admitting, I need some help. I need some help. I'm not going to make excuses anymore. I need some help. Humility is being honest about my weaknesses. It's you getting honest about your weaknesses. Real life transformation requires humility, letting go of control. It's this openness, this willingness to surrender and let go of control, of, of having to do things on my terms. Here's the second principle. It's real life transformation it often requires that we do what we don't want to do. You heard that right. It requires, you want to change? God's going to ask you to do some things you don't want to do because he wants what's best for you. He wants you to become the best version of yourselves. And if you want that life where you thrive and flourish and your relationships thrive and flourish and you become the best version of yourself, you're going to have to do some things you don't want to do. Naaman wants just the quick solution. Just wave your hand and heal me. Just come out and wave your hand. Just point to the clean water. Just give me that. But God's ways aren't our ways. That's what the scriptures teach us. God often asks us to do what we don't want to do. That's hard. That's challenging. I love this quote from Craig Chrishell. He's a covenant pastor in Oklahoma. He says this, often the difference between where you are and where God wants you to be is the painful decision you're refusing to make, the pain you're unwilling to endure. So the question is, can you, can I, can we humble ourselves? Can we go dip ourselves in a dirty river, not once, but seven times? That's what the assistant said. Go Go get in the Jordan River and dip down seven times. Are we willing to do what we don't want to do? And I think throughout Scripture, what we find, the story of God's people is a stubborn people that are refusing to do what God wants them to do. Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree. Here, oh, I got to do that. Don't tell me what to do. I want to do what I want to do. Lot's wife, right? Uh, Jonah. Uh, the rich young ruler. I mean, story after story, it's a stubborn, a selfish people. They're like, I want to do things my way. Don't tell me what to do. I want to do it my way. I'm not going to do that. And so here's my question for all of us. It's where are you saying, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Where are you resistant? Where are you saying, I'm not doing that? God's asking you to do something you don't want to do for your healing, for your cleansing, for
for your breakthrough, for a new life. And you're going, no, I'm not willing to do that. What, what is your area where you're saying, no, I'm not doing that? Maybe it's listening to people who are urging you to get help. And you're going, nope, I'm not doing that. Maybe it's, I'm not forgiving. They hurt me too bad. I'm not willing to do that. I'm not going to sell that car. I got this car payment I can't afford. I'm not selling that car so I can live within my means. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to get help for my drug issue, my drinking issue, my porn issue, whatever it is. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to let somebody else in. I'm not going to get a, a, a friend who I can confide in. And I can say, this is where I really am at. This is what's really going on in my life. I'm not doing that. Where, where are you saying, I'm not doing, I'm not going to do it. I'm not willing to do what God wants me to do. I'm not going to get vulnerable about my debt. I'm not going to get vulnerable about whatever it is. But notice in verses 13 and 14, look, look in the text. Notice that the beginning of the breakthrough happens when Naaman listens and then responds to his team, his officers that say, hey, you should do this, you know. And he begins to respond and he, he is actually responsive. And, and so here you go. Real life change happens when we do what we don't want to do. I love this line. We have to choose what we want most over what we want now. If you want transformation, you have to choose what you want most over what you want now. And sometimes that requires you do what you don't want to do. Here's the last reflection life lesson, the third one. Real life transformation is most often experienced over time through regular and repeatable acts of obedience, through regular and repeatable acts of obedience. Naaman is told to what? Go dip in that river seven times. Look at verse 14. It says that's what he did. So just go there with me for a moment. Just imagine Naaman. He goes into the Jordan River. He responds. Okay, I'm going to do what I don't want to do. He goes into the river. He dips in the first time and he comes out. And what does he have? Nothing. Nope. There's no healing. There's no breakthrough. He dips in a second time, comes out, looks, what happens? There's no breakthrough. There's no healing a third time. Again, no healing, no breakthrough. Again, a fourth time, nothing. A fifth time, nothing. A sixth time, he dips in again and again and again. And that's, that. what's the point here? He keeps dipping. He keeps dipping. He keeps dipping. And then we read that the seventh time after he continues to deep, there's a transformation that happens. His skin, his skin is leprosy. He gets healed. And so here's what I want us to say, uh, to think about this morning as I wrap this up, friends. We have to keep dipping if you want to get healed. If you want to have real life transformation, you have to keep dipping. Every time you open up God's word and read it, you're dipping. Every time you show up to your move group, your if table, your life group, you're dipping. Every time you tune in to online church, you're dipping. Every time you do little acts of obedience to serve others, to love others, you're dipping. So it's like, keep dipping. No transformation yet? Keep dipping. No transformation? Dip again. And uh, 
I believe that it's the regular, repeatable acts of obedience, the regular, repeatable acts of obedience that will transform you and transform me. So keep dipping again, keep dipping again, again, again. And so as we uh, wrap or jump, not wrap, but jump into 40 days of Lent, we've created these kingdom assignments. And uh, some of you are going to say, I don't want to do that. And I want you to pay attention to that voice. Why, why the resistance? If you want transformation, jump in, lean in, and participate and engage in the kingdom assignments. Some of you are going to go, this is dumb, this is stupid. But it's like dipping in the dirty water. Naaman said, I'm willing to do it for transformation. I'm going to trust God. We're going to ask you to do stuff you don't want to do. We're going to uh, invite you this week to choose to invite someone to be your detox buddy to walk alongside you. You're going to be asked to just keep dipping. You're going to, uh, when you, all of these different assignments, and you'll hear more about them, but we're going to ask you over the next 40 days to keep dipping and trust God and watch what happens. What a great story that we learn from Naaman. God bless you today. And uh, let me just close us in a prayer. Lord, I pray that what, what we've heard from your word out of, uh, 2 Kings 5 and the life lessons from Naaman, that they would uh, bear fruit in our heart and in our life. I pray that there would be men and women who hear this that would make the difficult choices to humble ourselves, to let go of control, to do what we often don't want to do, and then to do the regular, repeatable, simple acts of obedience day after day that we would keep dipping in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.